$1.28 billion. What would you do if you were given $1.28 billion today? Some of you may have been following what's been happening across our country, but the second largest lottery was won just on Friday. $1.28 billion was won by somebody in Illinois just south of Chicago. We live in the shadow of two really big casinos. The reality is, is that people love money. And Jesus has a lot to say about money. What would Jesus say to the winner of that $1.28 billion? Take, take care to guard against all greed. For though one may be rich, one's life does not consist of possessions. What does St. Paul say? St. Paul says, all greed is idolatry. What's idolatry? Idolatry is when we worship something else as God. Idolatry is when we put something, someone, or ourselves in the place of God. Listen to the rich man in today's gospel passage today. This is a direct quote from the rich man who was already rich, had a bountiful harvest. And then what does the rich man begin to say? I shall tear down my barns. I share, shall store all of my grain. I shall say to myself, it is time to rest, to drink, to eat, and to be merry. I, I, I. For your, those of you who know the song Crazy Train, I, I, I. He is the subject of every sentence. He makes himself the center of his life. And his possessions are about him. What does Jesus teach us in absolute contradiction to an idolatry mentality? Our Father. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Our daily bread. The opposite of idolatry, the opposite of I, is thy. The fact that everything we have in life is God's. Everything we have in life is a gift that God has given to us for us to praise him and to bless other people. Every gift in life is a gift from God that he has given to us for us to praise him and bless other people. Any other way, we will get caught up in vanity, greed, and idolatry. Raise your hand if you've heard of the Baltimore Catechism. Raise your hand if you were taught the Baltimore Catechism. You're some of my favorite people. Not that I don't like you other people. So let me just ask some basic questions. Who made you? See, these people know these answers. Why did God make you? To know him, to love him, and to serve him in this life so that you can happy forever to know him, to love him, to serve him. Why did God make you? To know him, to love him, and to serve him. 
Why did God make everything in this world? To know him, to love him, to serve him. In just a few moments, we're going to stand up and we're going to say, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Which means who made you? God did. Why did he make you? To know him, to love him, and to serve him. Why did God make money? To know him, to love him, and to serve him. Why did God give you your DNA, your lungs, your heart, your brain? To know, to love, and to serve him. And everything ultimately in our life is called to be about him. But it is so easy to have our life become about possessions, things, and for us to lose our focus. And money is the easiest way to do it. So, servers, grab our little props here. We're going to talk about three aspects that have to do with today's gospel passage. And three things that we need to be aware of if we want to be in right relationship with God and with the things he has given us. Top step. Okay, this is my checkbook. On Friday, we had 100 high school youth from Dearborn County at Kings Island. 50 years ago, Kings Island was founded in 1972. If you go to Kings Island today, they will not take any cash at all. Kings Island is now a cash-free amusement park. You cannot use cash in Kings Island. In fact, if you want to buy something at Kings Island, you have to take your cash, go to a machine, put it in, and then it'll spit out a plastic card. I'm mentioning this, so this is not really part of my homily. This is more of a culture thing, but I think we need to really ask ourselves a question. What does it mean that our children will never actually touch money. Think about a world where you never actually hold a coin in your pocket or count out dollars. What happens to your... I mean, the, the, the data on this is crazy. But what happens to your spending? How do you spend? How do you understand the relationship between work, payment, and purchasing? Kings Island is a microcosm of where we are going, my people. This is my checkbook. I live, although I don't live at Kings Island, I live, for the most part, in a cash-free world. I use my debit card. I don't have a credit card. never have. I never will. I use my debit card or my checkbook for probably 98% of all my purchases. This is my money. If you just believe that statement, then you're wrong. Because this is God's money. Because every dime, penny, or dollar that I have is actually God's. Here's how it works. So if God made me, that means that my intellect, my brain, my muscles that get moved by my brain, my ability to learn, to study, my ability to get a college degree, my ability to speak, and my ability to get a paycheck is all God's. It's not mine. It's very easy for us to live in a world and a mentality where we're like, well, no, I earned this. I had the job. I got the degree. I got the paycheck. It's my money. It's my bank account. This is mine. 
But none of it is actually mine because all of it is a gift of, from God who gave me all of this in the first place. And there's a lot of other people, parents, teachers, friends, mentors, who actually are a part of all that as well. But in fact, none of my money is actually mine. My money is actually God's. And he entrusts it to me for me to bless others and to praise him. Our money is given to us to bless others and to praise him. It's not mine. In fact, the only thing that we can actually claim as our own as Christians, do I own this world? I don't. My body is a gift, and I could get sick with a de deadly cancer tomorrow. The only thing that I actually possess and own are my sins. The, actually, the only thing that I create on my own is my sins. I create them. Everything else is actually a blessing from someone else that God has given to me. So the question is, what do we do with our money? How do we use our money to bless others, to change the world, and to make the world God's kingdom and God's ways and not my ways? If we looked at your bank account, if we looked at how you use your money on your debit or your credit card, would it tell the story of who you are as a child of God? Or would it tell something else? How do we spend, where do we spend, and what does it say about the fact that everything is a gift ultimately to us from God? Shoes. Some of you might know I'm a runner. I run, I coach, and these are my shoes. In fact, not only am I a runner, but you might not know this, prior to being ordained a diocesan Catholic priest for the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, I wanted to be a Franciscan. I met a group of Franciscan priests in the Bronx in New York, and they lived radical lives. They sleep on the floor, they only have one habit. So I have, uh, I wear, I have three cassocks. I don't allow myself to ever have more than three cassocks in my closet. They only have one their entire life until it like rots off their bodies. They preach, they do great things. They grow long beards and shave off their hair. And I was like, I wanna be one of these dudes. So prior to being ordained, I actually went and lived with them for a little bit. And after being there for a few days, I was talking to one of the friars. I was like, man, your guys' life is awesome. You guys sleep on the floor. You don't have air conditioning. And you guys only have one habit. And he looked at me. He said, Jonathan, just so you know, we're not poor. I was like, what do you mean you're not poor? He said, we throw so much food away because people give us more donations than we can ever deal with. We have banks, bank accounts because people give us more money than we can give to the poor. And four times a year, part of our community's policy is to do a poverty check. And four times a year, we go through our friaries and we have to get rid of all the stuff that people give to us. I took that upon myself to be a yearly habit. I don't do it four times a year, mainly because I just don't think about it. But at least once a year, sometimes two times a year, I go through my rectory and I get rid of everything that I've collected. 
As a runner, they tell you that after 500 miles, you aren't supposed to like continue to wear your shoes. It's bad for your knees, and it'll be bad for your back, and you can't run. I'm 45 years old. I want to keep running until I'm really old. These are my shoes. These are being donated tomorrow. St. Basil, a great bishop and early priest of the early church, says that every coat that you have that you're not wearing right now, you're stealing from the poor. Every coat that you have that you're not currently wearing is stolen from the poor. So I will confess to all of you that I am a thief. Because there are a lot of people in our world that don't have shoes. And I've been stealing them. How many of us have basements, attics, garages, barns, and storage units that are jam-packed with things that we do not use and that could be used to glorify God and to serve other people? The majority of us, with much embarrassment, can admit that we're all thieves in a pretty profound way. What is today's gospel passage about? It's about a rich man who stores up more riches but doesn't store up treasure in heaven. We are called, my brothers and sisters, to really look at what we have and to say, why do I have this and do I need this to glorify God in my life? If I do, then I need to keep it. But do I need this in my life to glorify the Lord? I don't know if you've had a relative who's died and you've had to empty their house. Anyone had to do this? I just want to let you know, like, I've done it several times. And you end up cursing these people. Do you want people doing that for you when you die? We should die poor. We should die generous. And we should die not building more barns, but giving everything away. It's the ideal of the Christian life. Because when we learn from Jesus on the cross what generosity is, what charity is, we learn that it's better in giving than in receiving. Lastly, this is my will. Today's gospel actually began because a brother came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, tell my brother to give me my share of the inheritance. I cannot count in my 20 years of priesthood the amount of times I have heard in the confessional and in my office people coming to me because of division, discord, hatred, and destruction of families because of inheritance money, because of farm property, because of injustices that have to do with inheritance. It is not of God. And that's exactly what Jesus says in today's gospel passage. So this is my will. As diocesan priests in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, we are required to have a will. In fact, there's an archdiocesan lawyer who meets with each priest and writes your will. All of us priests will, will die without children and without spouses. So something has to be decided about what I've accumulated in my life on the day that I take my last breath. Did you know 
that last, less than 50% of Americans have a will? Did you know that among millennials, less than 30% of millennials have a will? What is a will? A will ultimately is saying, what do, this, is, this is what I want to happen when I take my last breath. It's, quite, it's called a will. This is what I will. I will make this happen when I take my last breath. I think wills are very interesting. If we understand this is what I will with my last breath. I think wills actually are a great testimony. What do I will to take place? The norm and the custom for many is that I will everything to my children. I just want to pause and have you reflect upon that for a little bit. Many of you know my mom and dad, Terry and Dwayne Meyer. My mom and dad, like, gave birth to me. They wiped my butt. They cleaned up after me. They educated me. They drove me back and forth. They cared for me. They went to all of my events. They put me through college. They have supported me, encouraged me. How sick and twisted is it that I should have some expectation that my parents, are, when they die, are going to give me even more? If we pause and think about how sick inheritance is, it's really, really twisted. And what it puts in the mind of all parents is I'm never good enough. I'll never give them enough. And parents just want to tell you, that's a lie. Because the vast majority of you, because I know a lot of you, are amazing parents. And you have given so much to your children, some of you more than could ever be dreamt of. And for you to have in your mind that I need to keep saving all of my money because my kids need more money, I just want to tell you, your kids don't need more money. And in fact, I do know many of you. And this isn't the case for all of you, but many of your children no longer believe anything that you believe. Would you give your money to Planned Parenthood? A lot of traditional and strong Catholics won't give their money to the bishops. But they'll give their money to their children. But their children don't believe what you believe. Your children don't go to church. Your children believe a lot of things. I think a lot of questions need to be asked about what do I want to put into effect with my last breath? Because that last breath, in my mind, is a great way to tell God about what you believe in. With my last breath, I want to put into effect clothing the naked, feeding the hungry, sheltering the homeless, caring for the unborn, caring for unwed mothers, preaching the gospel, helping the missions, and furthering the kingdom of God. Jesus, tell my brother to give my share of my inheritance. Really? Your parents still owe you something, don't they? What role does money play in our lives? What role does money play in your life? Clearly, if we read throughout the Gospels, money is talked about all the time. We're always a little nervous to talk about it, particularly in church, because, you know, people are going to get upset. We should, there's nothing to be upset about. Money is a beautiful thing because it helps us to bless God, to praise God, and to bless others. 
Many of you have been doing it for generations. You bless God by providing for your children. You bless God by providing for your wife. You bless God by providing many, many things. We can never fall to the sin of idolatry. We begin to look at money and our possessions as solely being related to what I desire and I want instead of thy will be done, thy kingdom come, our daily bread. Let's pray for that grace in a real way to really think about what God has given to us, how he has blessed us, and to pray for the grace to use those blessings to bless others in profound ways. Through God's grace, may it be so.